Well, let me pray for us as we get into God's word today. Father, I thank you so much again that I have the privilege of teaching your word to your people. I love it. I thank you so much, Lord. I consider it an honor. And Lord, my prayer tonight, uh, once again, is that your Holy Spirit would take the word off the page and embed it deeply into the hearts of your people, Lord. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. That's what Jesus' disciples wanted to learn from Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray like you pray, like we see you talking to God. And I would say that's what followers of Jesus still want to learn from him these days. Teach us to pray. And I believe we can be taught in prayer. We can grow in prayer. And that's what we've been seeking to do together over the course of the last several weeks. And towards that end today, here's the question I would like to explore. Is it okay to pray for yourself? How many of you pray for yourselves? Is it okay? We're going to explore that tonight. Last weekend, I made the point based on Jesus' parable of the persistent neighbor who went over next door at midnight and asked for three loaves of bread. Remember that? I made the point that our Lord seems most inclined to answer prayers that have the well-being of other people as their goal, as their aim, prayers that, that seek to benefit and bless others. So I'm asking this question, does it then logically follow that it's a selfish thing for me to pray for me? I think we should all understand that there is a kind of selfish asking that God does not answer. James said as much when he wrote this in James 4, verse 3, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your pleasures or your passions. So does that mean that anytime you pray for yourself, you're asking wrongly? I think not. And I'm basing that on some prayers that I see in the Bible that were prayed by godly people who did ask for things for themselves from the Lord, and God answered. And I think that we have something to learn from them. So what I'm going to do today is do a a flying overview of some of these so-called selfish prayers that we see in the Bible. And as we explore them together, I want you to ask yourself, what was it about these prayers that make them different from the kind of self-centered praying that James says God is never going to answer? What makes these prayers unselfish, not self-focused? Okay? So here we go. First one. This is the prayer of Eleazar for fulfillment of his master's wishes. It says this in Genesis 24, 12. And he said, here's the prayer. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success. Here it is. Please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master, Abraham. So this first selfish prayer, prayed by Eleazar, grant me success, O God. Now, some of you know the backdrop for this prayer is that Abraham, the great patriarch, he and his wife, his wife Sarah, I was going to say his wife Isaac, that was not good, he and his wife Sarah had been given a miracle son, whom they named 
Isaac. And in time, little Isaac grew up, and when Isaac reached adulthood, he wanted to get married. Go figure. He wanted to be a married man. And in that day, the custom was for marriages to be arranged. Aren't you glad you live in this day and not that day? But that was the custom in that culture. So Abraham, Isaac's father, commissioned his servant, Eleazar, to go out and find his son a wife, a suitable bride. And Eleazar knew it was important to Abraham and to Isaac that, that Isaac's wife be a certain kind of woman. And so he realized he needed God to lead him to the right young lady in order to fulfill his master's wishes. And so he prayed, Oh Lord, please grant me success today so that my master will be pleased. Grant me success today. Is that a selfish prayer? And it could be, I guess, depending on what's in someone's heart when they pray it. But if it's a prayer motivated by an eagerness to see your master's wishes fulfilled, like it was with Eleazar, then I believe that this is a prayer that God wants to answer. Grant me success today. And the Lord did answer this prayer for Eleazar by drawing a lovely woman, the, the single young lady Rebecca, to a particular well in a particular town at a particular time when she made a particular statement that let Eleazar know without a doubt that she, Rebekah, was God's choice for Isaac. And so God gave Eleazar what he asked for that day, success. Grant me success, O God. God granted him success in finding a bride for Isaac, and that fulfilled Abraham's desire. I think the key here is the heart motivation of the one who is asking. I think that much is clear, wouldn't you agree? For us, whether we're asking God to grant us success in raising a quarter of a million dollars to open up a brand new campus out in the Pataskala area, or whether for you it's success in getting that contract or nailing that presentation that you're going to give on Tuesday, or winning that game, or finding a spouse, the question, I think, is for what ultimate purpose do you want this? For what ultimate aim are you asking God to grant you success in that? May the Lord purify our motives so that our prayers for success are ultimately so that He might be pleased. Grant me success today. Here's the second one. This is the prayer of Hannah, a woman in the Old Testament, a prayer of Hannah who prayed for a child and uh, her story is recorded in 1 Samuel. Verse 11, it says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me. There's the prayer. Remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Remember me. Now this speaks to, to all of those who've had a deep longing in their hearts for something, an ache in their heart that has not gone away, it has not diminished over time, but has lingered for months and months or maybe years and years. And that was certainly the case with this woman, with Hannah. For Hannah longed to have a son. Problem was her womb was barren. 
and she was childless. And in that culture, that would have been a, a cause for disgrace. It would have been a cause for some ridicule even. Although her husband tried to comfort her by assuring her of his love, even though she had no children, the ache in her heart to be a mom only grew and grew. But nothing was happening, and after many years of trying, to no avail, Hannah began to think perhaps God had forgotten her. I wonder, do you ever feel like that? Ever feel like that? Like God put a dream in your heart years and years ago, but, but all this time has passed and it's, it's not happening? Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Have you ever felt like, I wonder if he even knows I'm down here. <laughs> I wonder if he's forgotten about me. Well, that was Hannah. She was hurting and, and she was so intent on showing God how earnest she was in her desire to have a child that she decided to fast for a season like a number of us did this past week. She decided to go without food so she could take extra time to just pour her heart out to God. And I love her prayer. Oh God, remember me. Remember me. Don't forget about me, God. See my affliction and remember me. Maybe this last week as you gave yourself to prayer, maybe you were praying a prayer like Hannah was praying. Remember me, Lord. I've been asking you for this for years and, and it still hasn't happened. That desire you put in my heart years ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 20, 30 years ago, it still hasn't happened. Do you remember, Lord? That dream of being married to a godly spouse one day? That dream of starting a family, of having children, or maybe that dream of starting a Christian business, or maybe that dream of being in ministry? It's deep in me, God. Please don't forget me, O Lord. Remember me. Well, that's the prayer that Hannah prayed. And God listened. God heard her prayer. He looked into her heart and perhaps saw that, that now, for Hannah, it wasn't so much about being highly regarded in the community. Now it was about having and raising a son who would become a man of God. Now she was willing to give her child back to the Lord for a lifetime of service to him if he should so choose. And so the Lord heard the fervent prayer of this surrendered woman. And God decided to answer. And within months, a year, within a year, baby Samuel was born. You know what Samuel means? You know what that name means? It means God heard. And he did. God heard. He remembered Hannah. And the Lord may do that for you too. I can't guarantee it, but... But I would say if you have a deep longing in your heart that, that just won't go away and ache to receive something from God, and if you would be willing to give it back to Him for His use, for His service, then I urge you to pray Hannah's prayer. Remember me, Lord, remember me. What might the Lord do in response if you prayed like that? Well, the, the next prayer... I think is one of the highest and loftiest prayers you can pray for yourself. This is the prayer of Moses for a glimpse of God. It's very short and simple. Exodus 33:18. Moses said, 
talking to the Lord, please show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. So here was a man who was at a defining moment in his life. And he desperately needed to know that the God who was speaking to him, the God who was calling him to fulfill a very dangerous mission, was really worth putting himself on the line for. After all, the voice in that burning bush, you know the story, right? Had commissioned him to go back to Egypt. Back to Egypt, back to his homeland where he had been born, where he was raised, and by the way, where he had burned some bridges. To go back to Egypt and to tell his countrymen, his fellow Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt there, that God had appointed him to be their deliverer. And then to go to Pharaoh, the ruler of the whole empire, and tell him to let God's people go. But I'm sure Moses was wondering, is anybody going to listen to me? And is Pharaoh going to take kindly to me walking into his his house and telling him this? And so he, in effect, said, God, if I'm going to do this, I need something more from you. Yes, I've heard you speak to me. I've heard your voice. But I need to see you. Please show me your glory. And with that prayer, Moses ventured out into a realm that few have gone to. And you know what? God answered. God answered this prayer. And how did he answer? He basically took Moses and put him in the cleft of a rock like old man's cave and stuffed him away in there. And then God himself passed by and manifest his glorious presence in that place while allowing just a little bit of his afterglow to leak Moses' way. Just enough so that he could see the brightness of it and feel the weightiness of it, but not enough to kill him. In answer to Moses' prayer, God showed him just a few photons of his glory, and it changed Moses forever. Show me your glory. I started praying that prayer about eight years ago when uh, God was working in my life. He was, he was using the writings of a guy named John Piper to awaken my heart, to want to see his glory. And the way God has been answering this prayer for me is, is to show me his glory in Jesus Christ. The Bible declares that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. That's Hebrews 1.3 says that the, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is now in the face of Jesus Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 4. The Bible calls the gospel the gospel of the glory of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.3 Show me your glory, God. I want to see it. I urge all of you to pray this prayer. To pray it often. And then look into the scriptures to behold the beauty of Jesus Christ, who is the glory of God. I'm telling you, when you see that, when God shows you a glimpse of his true glory, it'll change you like it did Moses. You won't be the same. Show me your glory. Here's another 
one of these so-called selfish prayers, prayers for self. This is the prayer of Gideon. Prayer of Gideon to confirm what God was calling him into. And the prayer is found in Judges chapter 6 and verse 17. And it says, And he, Gideon, said to him, that's the Lord, so this is a prayer, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then, what does it say? Show me a sign. There's the prayer. Show me a sign that it is you who's speaking with me. And you might recall the story of Gideon. He's an interesting fella. Had some self-esteem issues going on earlier in his life. He lived during a time when his people were not worshiping the one true God. And as a result, the Lord had removed his hand of protection from his people, from his nation. And he was allowing the children of Israel to get beat up pretty badly. Bands of marauders called the Midianites were raiding their towns and raiding their villages and raiding their fields and pilfering their crops and their livestock. It was a bad time for the nation. But God had a plan. As my friend Michael likes to say, God is not afraid of a complicated plan. God had a plan. God aimed to win his people back to his heart, and he wanted to do it through a man, and that man was Gideon. And the Lord decided... The Lord basically, basically said, I'm going to go down and visit Gideon. He's kind of timid. He's kind of shy. I'm, I'm going to visit with him. Imagine that. He said, I'm going to tell him my plan to free the Israelites from their oppressors, turn their hearts back to me, and I'm going to tell Gideon that, that I'm going to use him, that he's my guy. And so he did. Imagine that. Gideon was trying to absorb what he heard from God and Understandably, he had some doubts, mostly about himself. Maybe you've had thoughts like this before. Am I really the guy here? I mean, am I really the right guy for this? I mean, my family, my upbringing, my background, it's not the best. Am I really the guy? And, and beyond that, am I really up for this kind of a task? This is big, to be God's chosen agent for deliverance. And he was wrestling with it. And as he did, he, he knew he needed something more from God to tip him over the edge. And so he prayed, God, if I'm really your guy, if that's really you and you really want me, show me a sign. Show me a sign. He actually asked God for several signs. And to me, when I read the story, it's amazing to me that God accommodated him. <laughs> he gave him what he asked for. The Lord went on to use Gideon, you probably know, to accomplish a, a great and a very unique deliverance for his people. But Gideon's confidence was not solidified until God chose to answer his prayer for confirmation. Show me a sign, God. Now, many Bible scholars say that asking God for some kind of a supernatural sign every time you're not sure what you're supposed to do is probably not the best way or God's primary way for revealing his will to us as a matter of course. I, I think they're probably right. I don't think we're talking about, so, okay, God, if you really want me to ask Sally out on a date this Friday night, let me see a shooting star tonight. I, I don't know that we're talking about that. But there are those times 
maybe just a handful of times in your life where you're at a crossroads. I mean, it's like, this is the ball game. I can go this way or I can go this way. God, what do you want me to do? I'm not sure. I'm willing to do your will no matter what it is. I just need to know. And I think in those times, it's appropriate to say, God, show me something. <laughs> I just need to, I want to do your will. But I'm not sure whether to go to the left or to the right here. Show me a sign. I think it's okay to pray that. I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. I'm in ministry today in part because I prayed that prayer back in 1981 when I was in college and God was working in my life and as happens in college, it was coming time where you had to declare a major. You know, you have to declare a major. You can't just take classes forever. You have to declare a major and, and decide on a course that you're headed on. And God had been working in my life. My passion for Him was growing. My desire to preach the Word of God was growing and burning in my soul. And it was coming time to choose a major, so I asked God for a sign. I didn't ask to see a shooting star. I didn't put out a fleece and say, let there be some dewdrops on that fleece tomorrow morning. But I did ask this. God, if you want me to change course here, if you want me to head down the path towards vocational Christian ministry, towards pastoring in a local church, then do this for me. There's this event I'm going to be at next week, and they've asked me to preach the gospel. Let me see 10 people saved at that event. Then I'll know. I gave them a number. I just pulled it out of the air. Let me see 10 people saved at that event next weekend. And I went to this thing, and I did it. It was this time of year, actually. And uh, when the event was over, they told me that 20 people had made professions of faith in Jesus, including one of the workers in the event who just melted under the preaching of the gospel. And I just said, okay, that's all I need. I just needed to know. I just needed a sign. I'm going with this now that you've showed me a sign. And I've never looked back since because I had that confirmation from God that this is, this is what he wanted. You understand what I'm saying? I imagine there's going to be a time in your life, or maybe you've already had one or more, when you feel compelled to say, God, I, I think you've called me to go this direction. I think, I think you're leading me here. I'm at a crossroads here. But I'm not sure. I got some doubts. I, I need to know if I've heard you correctly. If it's you that's calling me, if it's really you and you're really calling me, show me a sign. I think it's okay to pray that. And, and that's really what I'm saying tonight. I believe it's okay to pray these prayers, even though they sound kind of selfish, kind of self-focused. Give me success. Remember me. Show me your glory. Give me a sign. Because people in the Bible prayed them with the right motives, and God answered them, every one. Think about a prayer that the man named Nehemiah prayed on one occasion. I've prayed this many times also. This is the prayer of Nehemiah for favor with people who are in authority. It's right at the beginning of his book, Nehemiah chapter 1. Here's his prayer, O Lord, 
Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. This is the prayer. God grant me favor with my boss. That's what it is. Nehemiah was asking the Lord to give him favor in a meeting he was going to have with his boss, who happened to be the king, where he was going to ask him for something. And the story goes on to tell us that that Nehemiah got what he asked for. It came in the form of of authorization and resources to, to take leave and go back to the city of Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of the city of his homeland that had been broken down under siege. And again, what we see underneath this prayer was Nehemiah's desire for God's people to be blessed. I'm I'm not sure how how effective this prayer is going to be. Grant me favor with my boss, God, for those who just want the boss's favor so that they can be his favorite. Or so they can rise up higher in the ranks or so they can make a ton of money. But for those who see themselves as a conduit of God's blessing to other people, a pipeline of God's grace and favor to others, I think the Lord wants to give them favor with their overseers if they'll ask. He did with Nehemiah. Later in that same story, in the midst of the actual rebuilding of the wall, when it was getting hard and when Nehemiah's energy was drained and and all of his critics, his naysayers, were hoping to to get him to quit and give up. This same fellow prayed this next great prayer, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. Talking about his uh, critics, his opponents in chapter 6, verse 9 of Nehemiah, it says, for they all wanted to frighten us or intimidate us is the idea thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be be done. The wall's not going to get built. Here's his prayer. But now, oh God, what does it say? Strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. This is a prayer for God to impart his strength into us so that we'll keep persevering in what he's called us to do. In spite of weariness, in spite of setbacks, in spite of getting discouraged, in in spite of having critics and people opposing the effort or not being excited about it or making fun of us, all of those things were going on with Nehemiah in his wall-building effort. And yet he prayed, Strengthen my hands, O God. Infuse your unlimited strength into my weary body, my weary soul. Strengthen my hands. This is a prayer of humble dependence upon God, isn't it? In short, it's saying, God, I need you. (laughs) I need you. I need your strength. And when the work that you're doing is ultimately for his glory and for the good of his people and the good of your city, to bless your city, then I believe God will be inclined to answer this prayer. Strengthen my hands, O God. Strengthen my hands. You ever prayed that? This next one is the prayer of a king who was newly appointed. He was new at it. He was raised in the royal family. 
Right at the outset of his reign, his rule in Israel, Solomon, the king, prayed this, 2 Chronicles 1.10. Give me now wisdom. There's the prayer. Give me wisdom, God, and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? Don't you wish our leaders would pray this prayer? <laughs> would lean on God like this. You know, the Lord had just made Solomon an incredible offer. You know what it was? Ask me for anything you want, and I will give it to you. Oh, my goodness. But rather than than jumping on that as an opportunity to get rich or an opportunity to be famous or have his name put up in lights, Solomon asked God for wisdom. Wisdom to lead well as the political ruler of Israel. God, give me wisdom. That's what I need. And God answered. The Bible records that God answered this prayer. Under Solomon's reign, Israel prospered. It became the crown jewel of the Middle East at that time. Really reached its pinnacle, its zenith as a a kingdom. And Solomon's wisdom and reputation became known far and wide. People came from all over to to hear him, to listen to him, to glean from him. In addition to wisdom, God also gave him wealth and renown because he asked for wisdom. And let me just say that God loves humility. God loves humility in his people. God loves humility in his leaders. He especially responds to the humble prayers of those who lead others. I'm looking at a bunch of people tonight who probably lead somebody. In your family, perhaps, you're leading your family. Or maybe you have people under your charge at the workplace. You probably lead somebody somewhere. Somebody's looking up to you. Somebody's taking their cues from you. And I would say this, if you lead people in any capacity, I urge you to pray this prayer often. God, give me your wisdom. So I can lead well in my marriage. So I can lead well in my family, in my job. So I can lead my ministry. So I can lead my small group well. God, I need your wisdom. The wisdom of the world isn't going to do. It's flawed. I need the wisdom of God. I need your lenses, Lord, to see things the way you see them. And so I'm asking you for it. I'm telling you, I pray this prayer a lot. (laughs) Give me wisdom. This next one's a dangerous one. This is the prayer of Isaiah to join the mission of God. Very simple, two words. Send me. He had a vision of God. Isaiah was given a marvelous glimpse into heaven. What did he see there? God seated on a throne, angels encircling, God crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They they were being consumed, they were burning in his presence. Isaiah saw that, then he looked at himself and saw his own sin in contrast to the holiness of God. And in near despair, he cried out, Woe is me, for I am undone. 
God proceeded to mercifully cleanse him from his filth, from his sin. And then Isaiah heard the Lord speak about his mission on the earth and his plan. And Isaiah responded with the only prayer that made any sense to him in that moment. Here am I. Say it with me. Send me. You need a messenger, God? Here I am. I've got a mouth. I've got lips. They've been cleansed now by you. Use me. Send me. Sometimes, you know, people think, well, God's never going to send me. God, God can never use me in his work. I'm too dirty. My past is too horrible. I'm disqualified or, or I'm not gifted enough or certainly I'm not as talented as so-and-so or this person or that person, so I can't imagine the Lord wanting to use me. I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too fat or I'm too short. There's, surely there's others more qualified than me, God. But I want to remind you that many of the people in the Bible whom God used like Isaiah, had a lot of the same issues that we tend to think are disqualifying and reasons for God to not use us. Think about it. Noah got drunk. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem, and he was a murderer. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a what? A harlot, prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah, this man, later on it says he preached naked. That's an issue. <laughs> Jonah ran away from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Could you not tarry with me for one hour? Martha was a worrier. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. These people had their issues, but God used every single one of them. And God can use you. God can use you. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be available. You've got to come to the point where you pray the Isaiah prayer. Lord, here I am. Such as I am. Send me. I'm available. I found in my lifetime that God uses a person who is clean, sharp, and available. Just like a surgeon looking for a scalpel. He's looking for one that's clean and sharp and available to do his work. And so is God. you've never prayed the Isaiah prayer from your heart, I urge you to do so. It's the prayer of willing availability. Here I am, God. Use me in the lives of other people. I'm yours. I'm available. Send me. Send me to that prodigal that you're trying to win back to your heart. Send me to that business person. Send me to that discouraged mom. Send me to that student on campus. Send me. Sometimes we're praying for God to send someone to somebody else, and Lord will, but sometimes he's saying, but I want to send you to this person. You're my answer. You're my solution in this situation. And when we're available, we'll be surprised at how God will use us. Let me touch on just a, a few more of these prayers. I don't know how many people are brave enough to pray this one. Correct me. <laughs> this is the prayer of Jeremiah for discipline. Correct me, O Lord. 
But in justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. That's a daring prayer. Let's just move on from that one. How about Peter's prayer? Save me. Save me. When did, that, when did he pray that prayer? When he was starting to sink. Jesus called him out of the boat, remember? And he was walking on the water for a few minutes. And then he got his eyes off of Christ and onto his surroundings and the turbulence and the turmoil. And he started to sink and he uttered that prayer. Save me. That's a desperate prayer. You ever prayed that? Lord, I'm going down. I'm going down into the pit. I'm sinking emotionally. I'm sinking physically. I'm sinking spiritually. Save me. The Lord loves to hear that from the lips of his children. That desperate prayer. Jesus, save me. I've prayed that many times when I felt myself sinking. 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Save me. And I felt his strong, heart, strong arm taking hold of me and lifting me up. How about this one? Increase our faith. This is the prayer of the disciples for more faith. Increase our faith, they said to Jesus in Luke 17, 5. You ever pray that prayer? It's interesting to me that, that the context for them saying that was when they were coming face to face with their unwillingness to forgive someone who'd hurt them again and again and again and again, a repeat offender. And Jesus said, if your brother sins against you seven times in one day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. And their response, increase our faith, Lord. If we're going to forgive like that, we need to believe better. Help us believe, Jesus, that through your gospel, we have been forgiven thousand times more than we'll ever be called upon to forgive somebody else. You see, growth in our spiritual lives does not begin with behaving better. It begins with believing better. Increase our faith. Pray. Ask God to give you an optimistic, faith-filled outlook and faith-filled prayers. Even when you're not seeing any answers, you're not seeing any movement to say, God, I'm not walking by sight here. I'm walking by faith. I have an optimism in my spirit because I know you're at work. I believe you're at work. And where my faith is weak, help my unbelief. Well, there are many more examples of these kinds of prayers in the Bible. Godly people praying what appeared on the surface to be selfish prayers, but because their hearts were right, their motives were pure, and their ultimate aim was for the good of others. God answered these prayers. Desperate prayers, dependent prayers. But I want us to note one more. Last one. I want us to look at a Bible prayer that the Lord longs to hear from everybody. And this is the prayer of the tax collector for mercy. This is in a story that Jesus told once. Luke 18, verse 13, it says, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, here it is, say it with me, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Be merciful to me, a sinner. This prayer 
prayed by a humble, broken, repentant man, was answered by God, and it is always answered by God. And it results in salvation. Notice here it was prayed by a tax collector. In that day, tax collectors were a despised bunch, kind of like in our day, like an IRS agent. (laughs) There was often good reason for people to dislike them. Many of them were crooked. It was common practice for them to kind of skim funds off the top of their collections in order to pad their own wallets. But this particular tax collector, who was, as I said, a character in a story that Jesus told one day, he had been brought to a point of seeing the wretchedness of his own soul. He even calls himself a sinner who needs mercy from God. Now, in this story, there was another man, you know this, a fellow who actually was quite impressed with himself, impressed with his own goodness and who looked down on the tax collector. This other man even thanked God that he wasn't like that poor fella. He was thinking, yeah, evil, bad, horrible people like that sorry tax collector do need to pray a lot because they deserve to be judged. But good religious people like me, on the other hand, who do kind things and go to church and give in the offering and pray, well, God surely looks kindly upon people like me. Surely God favors me over a wretch like that sorry fella. But if you read the whole story, you see that Jesus' point was this. There are two kinds of sinners, not just one. There are two kinds of sinners. There are sinners who proudly think that they're better than other sinners, And there are sinners who have stopped comparing themselves with other people and only see themselves with reference to God. Those people know that they are, by nature, not good enough for God, and they are the only ones humble enough to cry out for God's mercy. And you know what? They get it, they receive His mercy. This tax collector's short prayer, which I call the real sinner's prayer, have mercy on me, a sinner. That prayer changed God's attitude towards him. You see that? It says, this man went down to his house justified rather than the proud, smug other fella. Hearing this humble, repentant prayer for mercy, God responded by justifying this man which means he changed his status from guilty to righteous. From that moment on, God viewed him differently, turning an enemy, a man who had been his enemy, into now his friend. How can God do that on the basis of a simple prayer? Because it's not really on the basis of the prayer, is it? It's on the basis of a bloody sacrifice that Jesus would make when he would offer himself to bear the sins of the world. Justice was served fully when Jesus substituted himself in the place of all guilty sinners so that now God can justify all who trust him to save them, who plead for his mercy based on the sacrifice of Jesus. So the prayer is simply the avenue for expressing that trust, that faith, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
Have you ever prayed the sinner's prayer? Have you ever truly, sincerely prayed the sinner's prayer? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I hope so. It's not the words. It's not a formula. It's that these words prayed sincerely reflect a heart that knows that apart from God's mercy, there's no hope. I could never be right with God apart from the mercy of God. I could never be forgiven of my sins. I'll never see that glory of God that we talked about earlier. I'll never live with God and his eternal family in heaven forever unless God has mercy on me. Unless God pours out his mercy on me because of Christ's sacrifice. I wonder, how many of you have found God's mercy and salvation in the last 20 years? Can I see your hands? You'd, you'd mark your salvation within the last 20 years. How about the last 10 years? The last five years? Awesome. You know God wants to shower his mercy on people who pray this prayer. And I've been praying all week that this would be the day of salvation for any who have never yet bowed their knee to Christ and expressed their need for his mercy. And so if that's you tonight, I hope and pray, I hope and pray that you'll pray this prayer tonight. You know, there's a, there's a collision of kingdoms going on behind the curtain that we don't see. There's God's kingdom and the kingdom of the evil one, and the battleground is the hearts and souls of people. Did you know that? And by the decisions we make and the prayers that we pray, we're aiding and abetting one side or the other. It's Satan's desire to capture every soul that he can for his kingdom. And it's God's desire to woo and win those that he is calling into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. And it's only those who plead for God's mercy in Christ who end up in the kingdom of God. It's only those. I hope you know that tonight. And I hope that you can point to a day and a time and a place in your life where you said, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need your mercy. And went home justified like this man did right with God, declared innocent before the Lord because the sacrifice of Christ, his blood was applied to your account and your sins were forgiven. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, I wonder, how many of you, uh, just walking through these dozen or so prayers, how many of you sense God leading you to begin praying one or more of these prayers for yourself? Can I see, can I see your hands? Anybody? Any of them resonate with you, stand out to you? It's like, I need to start praying that. I, I hope and pray you will. Bow your heads, if you would, with me in prayer. And I do want to give you the opportunity tonight, in case the Lord, through His Spirit, is leading you to pray this last prayer. Please don't let this opportunity pass you by. The Bible says, seek the Lord while He may be found. And that tells me there's a time and a place when the Spirit of God is striving with people and seeking to bring them to faith. And so, 
Tonight, if you're a person who has any doubt that you are truly in the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ, would you just whisper that prayer to Jesus right now? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Would you do that right now? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm not going to compare myself with other people anymore. I'm going to compare myself with you, and I know I fall short. I need someone to cover me, to forgive me. And I know that's Jesus who died for me. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. If you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, before we leave, would you just come up to a prayer partner and just tell them that? Just say, hey, I, I prayed, Lord, have mercy on me tonight. And they would love to say a quick prayer over you and rejoice with you. Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus, may we become people of prayer who bring everything to you, everything in our lives. Lord, as we walk through this, the scope of these prayers, it encompasses everything every need we have, every desire of our heart, every decision we face, every circumstance we come upon in our lives is an occasion for prayer. And Help us be bold in our praying of these prayers for ourselves because our hearts are pure before you and we want them for your glory and for the good of others. I pray this in Christ's name, amen. Amen.